0: Welcome to the We Are Peru podcast, a podcast highlighting topics related to the Peru Central School District and greater Peru community.
1: Welcome to the We Are Peru podcast, season one, episode six. I'm John Mitchell, and I'm joined as usual today by my co-host, Mr. Nick Damiani. How's it going today, Nick? Doing well, John. Thanks for asking. Excellent. You got uh, plans for a break coming up?
0: Yes. We're going to actually finally be able to travel a little bit, so we're going to head down to... Uh, Florida with the family oh that's exciting I'm sure yeah. they're all excited right uh yeah yeah we're uh, definitely excited to get some warm weather especially this morning mm-hmm. after waking up to snow 25 degree weather back home so did you get much snow up your way or? yeah the roads were bad on the way in this morning
1: yeah it's amazing it was like 70 something last week and yeah. then you know yeah. that's one of the things i am always been fascinated with here I grew up in the south where it's always hot 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 yep. you know but here you can have just like literally like 40 degree swings you know
0: like yeah you're outside overnight. nice 70 degrees 65 degrees yeah. it's nice and sunny and then the next day you get up and all oh, you're looking at 30 oh, like it was today 30 degrees mm-hmm. and slushy roads and wind and all that good stuff so uh, you go. you gotta love the north mm-hmm. country
1: absolutely and we're also joined today by uh, superintendent of schools dr thomas palmer how are you dr palmer
2: good thank you john i appreciate you and nick today taking the time
1: absolutely thank you so much for being here
2: yeah
0: so uh today we just wanted to jump on real quick and have uh, an opportunity to have a discussion with dr. Palmer on uh, reopening. Uh, I know it's a hot topic right now within the community looking at you know just some of the changes that are going on uh with covid nineteen uh, the vaccine push the you know the the desire for five days of week you know on campus instruction uh, so we just wanted to you know have a quick conversation uh, Hopefully, answer a few questions, and just try to paint you know a clear picture of the decision-making uh, process that goes into play. Hmm. Uh, so, Dr. Palmer, uh, when we uh, are looking at you know possibly you know bringing students back on campus uh, on a you know more consistent or regular basis, uh, what point are we at right now uh, within uh, you know our district?
2: Well, as you, you said earlier, Nick, there's there's a great number of things that goes into this, so it doesn't it's not a quick decision that we can do it tomorrow after today's decision. It's a process, so we meet with the COVID the COVID team, which consists of Mr. Randy Sapp, also um, Mrs. Um, Mrs. Rabidu, yep. um, and and I meet with that team of three. Then we also bring uh, the PAT which is our teacher leadership in, as well as uh, the administrators in each of the buildings. And we have deeper conversations. I also include my directors, which consists of the building and grounds, our transportation, our food service, because it's all affected. Um, going back, and a lot of families don't like to hear this, and one of the pieces that we talked about as early as June of last year and going into July is talking about how can we reopen our school? As everyone knows, we have it it posted on our website also, is our reopening plan, and some of the different models that we were looking at. And of course, through time, things change. Um, But one thing hasn't changed is our physical space, our physical capacity to put kids in our spaces. In the elementary school, it's a very majestic old building, but it also has very small spaces. It's about 660 to 750 square feet of actual movable space that you have in each of these spaces. Um, When you look at what the guidance document was when it came out from CDC originally and then adopted by the New York State Health Department, it said social distancing of six feet. And a mathematical term that would be relative to that is six squared is 36 square feet per child that you'd have to have in those spaces. Um, Some things that we did in the summer that we're very fortunate. um, We have our our air purifying systems above and beyond what we're talking about our unit that exchanges airs regularly we have these small white uh, probably 30 inch tall by 12 inch wide um, devices that would look very very similar to dehumidifiers we have those in every student occupied space also with the the hepa filters and so we actually are are doing more air exchange than a lot of places Um, but still it goes back to our our furniture and what we can actually put physically in a space so really our spaces are about 11 to 12 kids. So that, that's kind of what the format was before. And I know people have heard lately, I think it's been about two weeks now that we heard CDC, the Center for Disease Control came out and said that um, from a national standpoint that we can move from six feet to three feet. Um, New York State has not adopted that plan at this time. And that would come from the New York State Department of Health. Then the Clinton County Health Department would be, and then we'd have recommendations based on that. Um, At tonight's board meeting, we are going to be talking about some things. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, our reopening plans. We understand. We understand completely, and we said this has not been the best plan, but it's the best plan that we can at Peru have at this time. I know a lot of other places always compare us to other districts. Unfortunately, some of the other districts have larger square footage. They have larger spaces. They have smaller classes. They have the ability to do things that we cannot do in a safe environment. Um, We applaud them for their efforts and we do the things that we have to do also the size of Peru being very large Geographically, we have a lot of a lot of buses in our transportation right now We can only have the capacity of 21 students on a bus and that's still maintaining the distances that we're supposed to maintain And now as uh, John and Nick were kind of talking about back and forth jovial a little bit ago about talking about the cold temperatures You don't open windows during that temperature. You really don't want to hold temperatures below 45, 50 degrees to continually get more airflow in those buses also for the safety of our students. So, you know, we always always are are in that environment also that we have to be cognizant of those pieces. So tonight's board meeting, we're going to be talking about our reopening plan, um, multiple plans, actually. We're going to be talking about that Wednesday that I know people are not in love with but it also services our kids with our remote instruction learn- learners also besides the kids that are here live. So we're looking at possibly having this conversation tonight. So I hope people um, join in the meeting. You can find it on our website, the actual link, or you're welcome. The first 60 people are welcome to actually come. It's going to be at the high school, at the high school um, cafeteria tonight. And we're going to have a really good conversation with our board of education and people that are participants there. Uh, we're going to talk about what does what does a five out of ten schedule look like, which is one week groups will go to go together Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and the other group will go Thursday, Friday, and then the following week Monday, Tuesday, the other group will go Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So it gives kids alternatives, extra time with their teachers. Um, the piece going to the six foot social distancing that'll definitely be a topic of conversation. We're going to have pictures. We're going to talk about it. We're going to show people what a classroom would actually look like when you go from a six-square-foot six, a six square foot area to a three-foot, how it limits the opportunities, it decreases those things. And talk about all the limitations and, and the time constraints, because you know people don't always think about it. Just because we want it, it's going to be a process of moving furniture around this district. And we're talking the neighborhood of 500 to 600 pieces just to get one of the buildings ready. So. Those are some things that we've been talking about as well as transportation. Transportation, the rules still have not changed on what transportation was.
1: You know, it's interesting to hear you mention a lot of that because no matter what the variables are, um, you know, the room sizes are the room size, you know, and, and actually realize, and, and it's funny, having been in the district or around the district for so long, you forget we do have a lot of buses, you know what I mean, because everything is so spread out. So you know, I I know, you know, for me, I always appreciate this because it allows you to see things a little differently.
0: Yeah. And when you're, uh, you know, thinking about a decision that has to be made, like during this entire stretch, nothing is completely black and white. There's always a gray area that you kind of have to live between. Mm -hmm. And when the boundaries are constantly changing about what's allowed, what's not allowed and that type of stuff, it makes, makes that decision even harder to come by and have faith in it, you know, and, uh, just even listening to Dr. Palmer there for a few minutes kind of talk about everything that goes into play when it comes down to like building this plan and then rolling it out effectively uh, there's a lot of different moving parts that come into play uh, it's not just oh well I feel like we're going to go with the hybrid schedule today and let's do that you know there's there's teams that meet have conversation there's a lot of options that are presented you know I got to sit in a lot of those those reopening meetings and I just got to kind of sit back and listen, and there's there's all these options that are discussed, and then a lot of input comes in, and then then we make the best possible choice that we can make with the information we have at hand, and you know, and that has changed a little bit throughout the year based on you know what's available with the virus, um, and what the CDC kind of rolls out as a, well. This is our recommendation, but then before any of that goes into play. There, there's another group that has to approve it, and then from there, another group that has to approve it before it actually hits ground level with our kids uh, and our families. And uh, it's just, all that takes time. Uh, so it's just, it's just interesting to hear you know, the process that has to go in uh, to get and keep kids on campus. Well, yeah. cause
1: ultimately the big thing, like you're saying, Dr. Palmer, is safety, right?
2: The other thing is just you two brought up some really good points, and sometimes you, you don't even think about You just take it for granted because it's always here. The other part is that people didn't realize, and I bet you, you two don't think about it or Nestle, our teachers, all the furniture had to be removed out of the building. It just didn't get put into a corner. The square footage was so small, so when, when families look around, we have all those Conex boxes, right. which basically look like railroad cars. Those are warehouses right now that we have for furniture. So that's another piece when we talk about it, as Nick kind of talks about it. It's great that we put the plan into effect, but then there's a the whole process on whether we have to put legs back on tables, whether we have to move furniture in, move furniture out. So there's a lot of things like that. And, you know, the other thing, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of ironic. Um, and as we look at, as, as people know, and I think sometimes they get a little sick, and I've written several letters, uh, um, and Nick's been great posting for me on our, our website and stuff, We've had a number of cases here i think we had nine or ten cases in the past two weeks now just and parents weren't happy with the number with how much information we shared sometimes we have to protect because of hip and things like that but we also want our parents to know and i want them to know today our listeners that it's not from within the school It's brought to the school, so when an active case does happen, it's not being transferred at this time anyway up to this point from student to student or staff to student or student to staff. It's just been very unfortunate that we've had a barrage of of cases. And then, you know, the biggest thing that frustrates parents is not only the active case, it's all the people getting quarantined because of the association. And that's another big piece I'd like to talk to just about a minute about – is when people think about it. So if we moved our kids from 11 or 12 in a classroom now to 18, 20, 23, 24, and somebody contacted, uh, contracted a case of COVID, it would take those 24 plus all the associations on the buses and those associations. So our, our contact tracing grows. You know, and, and it happened in the high school early in the year. We had a case, unfortunately, before Thanksgiving that we ended up having um, 108 people And nine and nine staff members out. But since that time, we've had a a much larger percentage uh, of the of the COVID uh, vaccine. So that does protect our teachers and stuff. And you know, so and that's still a voluntarily thing that what they believe in. But you know, so we we've had about 75 percent. So that protects us a little bit also. But these things come into play, and people always think about that also. But they were very upset about not knowing too much. But we've had some number of cases in the elementary school, which is better than being in the high school for the fact there's self-contained classrooms here where only that group of kids would be together if you're in a high school you right. could talk about theoretically if you had 12 kids in a class yeah. times nine periods Hypothetically you could have a hundred and eight touches. So right, right. it's different. But you know, it's it's people don't think that way and I, I understand that. But right. these are things that are all go into play when we're looking at things and you know, how do we best serve? And John as as you said just before I started speaking again, about safety. Right. And it is about safety. So we want we really want to make sure that our our staff and our kids are safe.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, from the the parent side of things where the frustration comes into play, it's it's you know, we we understand kind of what's, what's being lost during this time for all of us, right? So families working around, you know, new daycare schedules, students not being able to get the same amount of hours on campus, teachers not being able to get all their students in one spot. Like there's no matter, no matter what, you know, perspective you're going to have, like the whole world was kind of turned upside down uh, from, you know, the, the, the family life at home to the, the community to the school district. And and everybody's experienced some type of frustration through this entire process. Uh, You know, and everybody understands that. You know, and that's just the the uniquely challenging piece on this whole situation is no matter what role you play or what role you serve, you have been impacted in ways that you would have never really felt were possible. You know, and it it really kind of hit every stakeholder uh, in in our community.
1: it's a catch-22 in a lot of ways no matter you know when one thing moves so many other things are impacted
0: right Right. Mm -hmm. and the quarantining is yeah that i mean i know from a personal perspective you know my i've had to quarantine we've had to quarantine our son because of a bus you know a bus issue in another district um but all family yeah the quarantining piece is that's definitely been one of the biggest frustrations i think everybody's experienced whether it was I should be getting a phone call today from the health department and they didn't get until the next day. And then how, you know, just that whole kind of gray area where things don't happen as fast as you, as you think they should. And, and then that makes people frustrated, you know, just a lot of different pieces, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so, uh, in closing Dr. Palmer, is there anything you'd like to, you know, kind of share to wrap things up?
2: I think the last thing is, and we'll talk again in tonight's board meeting and, uh, again, Nick, I, uh, it's not patronizing but thanking you and John for all the work you guys do but one of the things that we were able to do was to do a survey and a survey is now on our our website so people can see we had over a thousand people that actually participated in this. so I want to thank our Peru community for that and you can see it it's it's raw data it will tell you exactly what they feel at this time um, and we do value that so this is not just um you know ignore what our, our community says so we will have that conversation open discussion in tonight's board meeting but also the pieces we have to keep going back to one thing now the Department of Health has not identified that the six-foot to three-foot rule but we are constantly looking to tweak we're looking to adapt and adjust we have plans in place but it takes time so no matter what it wouldn't happen in, in one day or one week it takes a couple of weeks to move that kind of furniture and and reorganize the district to, to, to meet those needs but um, we're always welcoming of the community, and again, um, the board meeting is tonight at six o'clock. So look forward for new any, anyone that wants to come out, email whatever you need to do, um, and we're always going to make sure that we we collectively work together to get through this process. And ultimately,
0: I mean, we're all in education for one reason, right? We want to have a positive impact on kids, and we want to you know grow and and foster you know and build you know good community contributors uh and every decision you know we make based on the meetings that i get to sit in on you know we're always looking at what's in the best interest of our kids uh, and and how we can adjust things to impact you know their lives in a positive manner so that's something that i know we'll continue to do got a lot of pride in that when it comes to uh this district and it's why i love working here so uh you know i appreciate uh, you coming on Dr. Palmer and sharing some of that insight and I hope we get a nice turnout uh, at the school, you know, at the board meeting tonight. Also just to redirect to our website, uh, there is a new page that we uh, are rolling out titled We Are Peru and the goal of that page is to share some of the experiences that students on campus and remote students are kind of going through throughout the year. You know we want to share some some positives on our story and, and you know what's happening uh, within kind of our building walls. So that is on our main district page right across the top. You can select select We Are Peru, and you're going to get a link to a newsletter that will be rolled out its first edition tomorrow called Nighthawk Notes, and that's going to be published tomorrow. We'll be sharing that. It'll be housed on that website. So if you get a second, stop in, take a look.
1: You can also access all of our district uh, podcasts from that same site there as well, Um, definitely. So thank, thank you again, Dr. Palmer, for coming in sharing some insight. Uh, We really appreciate that. And uh, we will talk to everyone again soon.
0: Thanks, John. Thank you.
1: You've been listening to the We Are Peru podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe and share us with your colleagues and friends. And consider leaving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, at N. Damiani PCSD and J. Mitchell PCSD. Thanks again for listening. And remember, we are Peru.